Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening. Um, you are with Poems and Whiskey and Michael. Tonight, I have uh, Jem Fell. Jem, tell us who the fuck you are and where you are. Well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the deep, deep, deep part of Suffolk in the, in the east of um, Great Britain, and it's uh, about 3 a.m. <laughs> Well done. Look, so this this is how far some people will go. They will stay up until three a.m. to have a conversation with me. <laughs> Absolutely. I, 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 Thank I, you. I, I, I am always willing to have a conversation. <laughs> All right. Now you you you're you're active on Twitter and Instagram for the most part, right? I am, yes. I'm, I'm theoretically active on TikTok as well, but that, that's sort of <laughs> like one of those sort of vague sort of one day I will get around to doing it things. Same, same. It's just a medium I'm not comfortable with. Um, you know, video is... I'm, I'm, I'm an agent didn't didn't used to exist, and I've, I've yeah. got to get my head around it. Um, you know, and it's, it's just slightly... I don't mind doing it for this. This is great. Right, 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 right. But standing there and recording myself... And things is just sort of taking you into that sort of. I'm being. I'm just. Just it just makes me twitch. My, my theory is, you see, I'm gonna. I'm gonna read some poetry and I'm gonna talk about the writing process. And yep, I've got. Yep. A, I've got a novel which is. Uh, 25 years in the writing. <laughs> and that's my aim because it's the 25th year that I'm starting it. My aim is to get it finished this year. Because it's been 25 years since I started, so that that'd be quite a nice thing, wouldn't it? 25 years to write it, and it's sort of yeah. Um, so I, I thought I could do a whole series of you know these are the challenges, this is where it's going type things with it, and the and the and the poetry as well. Um, so I've, I've got a lot of plans, a lot of ideas. I just <laughs> haven't done it. Uh, I get that too. <laughs> There's so much to do, it all just kind of bottlenecks. Yeah. And then, then you then you get periods of self doubt. You think, well, why am I even doing this anyway? And then, sort of, you know, what's what's the point? Fucking right. Yeah. What's every other day? There's the I have the uh, artistic uh, existential crisis. And, like, just fuck it, burn it all down. Why am I doing anything, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. 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 So, who who are you? What's your what's your screen names? Pretty much everywhere you want to find me, I'm Gem Fell Poetry. It, it make, makes makes life very easy. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 went, I went I went and tweaked and changed them because I had a multitude of different things all over the place that I yeah. conglomerated yeah. over the years, and I just went went and I changed them all to the same thing. Um, basically, when I started doing it properly, so I got my book out and then doing poetry readings and performing and stuff. I thought, right, well, let, let's brand myself, <laughs> <laughs> make it identifiable. Yes, yes, yes. And so you know, I, I had all sorts of random ones that I had sort of for like 15 years, which didn't fit me anymore. And right. get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, I try to keep my, um, I have two handles that I keep roughly the same, my main Twitter and my uh, main Instagram. And then I have the ones for the show. And then the rest of it is private. Nobody knows what they are, and they can stay that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean I've, I've got Facebook and stuff, but it's it's locked down to um, ridiculous degree, and it, it's Same. for family and ex-colleagues and stuff. And yeah, I, I go on it occasionally to catch up with people I haven't seen for a while, and then get annoyed by bigots. <laughs> yeah, mop it again because yep. because Facebook's a hellhole. 
It really is. I am I am not there very often. I can m- much better curate my feed in other areas. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so Twitter, which everybody says is a hellhole, it really isn't because you just go, the, block, 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 block. The only, I think... I have the same idea because I I have actually found a really good community on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm actually happy with it, and, and what's supposed to be the final days of Twitter would be when I get interested in it. But uh, <laughs> it's been good. I like Twitter. It's words. You can yeah. have proper conversations on it. Instagram people people like something you, you you post a poem you post a graphic you post something up and you, you you get sort of i don't know 10 20 likes or whatever more if you're lucky <laughs> yeah if you're lucky I, I post poetry so i don't get very many because it's words um how pretty you make it and yeah. that's it you, you don't get interaction and and i thrive off interaction and and talking whether that's verbally or whether it's in written words and so Twitter, you got that, and yeah, you, you've you've got a whole load of deeply unpleasant people on there because you have everywhere, basically, and that's what block is for. And and, and my thing is, it's nothing to do with a you know a, a, a bubble and all of these other accusations. If you're yeah. on the left, which I am, <laughs> you know, if you're all of those things, if you're in a if you're in any non-mainstream community. You do not live in a bubble because the entire world is sitting there telling you you're an ass and you shouldn't be yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've got, in this country, we've got Brexit, we've got the Tories, we've got a bunch of, of all of that. You yeah. can't possibly live in, a, in, live in a bubble because the entire world is around there. So my take on it is if I went to the pub, I wouldn't sit with an idiot. If I'm not, if, if I wouldn't welcome you to my table in a bar to have a drink with, why would I welcome you to my Twitter? Yeah, so that uh, is incredibly healthy. <laughs> and I don't have to have had an interaction. I just sort of like I can see something. And I just go, no, you're a fool. But yeah. If you work with somebody, you can't do it. Yeah. Because it's it's a work situation. But that's what I do in most in most life. If you, you know, yeah. so why, why not online? Exactly. You said you just recently put through like the the rebranding, or rather, giving yourself a brand. Have you changed your tactics and what you're doing with your writing? Is that uh, does that correspond with your goals? I've started taking it slightly more serious. Well, can I take it more seriously? Um, <laughs> no, I've always taken it seriously. I've decided that the rest of the world needs to have my writing inflicted upon it. <laughs> because, for, for, I mean, I've, I've been writing for 25 plus years. Yeah. And I've been doing that classic thing where I write and I write and then I pop it in a notebook. Um, I show it to my mom and she says, that's good. <laughs> Thanks, mom. I show it to a friend and they go, I don't really like poetry. And I don't understand poetry. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, and and then you have a conversation about William Wordsworth and um, a, a teacher who made them recite it from and things, and then you move on to something else, which is a bit disheartening after a while, and apparently a universal experience. <laughs> yeah. So um, well, at least haven't haven't quite gotten to the universe yet, but give me time. And 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 then last year I was having sort of a long dark tea time of the soul, like you do. Yeah, and and, and I, I was thinking I need, I need to be creative, I need to do something with it, and. Yeah. Um, I performed 
at Pride last year, which is the first performance I've done in 20 odd years. And from there, then I thought, right, let, let's do something with this. And then, then I, you know, I, I've done done performances, and I have had my book out. And um, good, because I will ask you to read. Outstanding. Um, yeah. So there's, it, it's really came out. It came out of that I want to do something with it rather than just have it sitting in notebooks in the in the spare room. What changed for you? Like you, you performed at that Pride. What what was it at that event that that made something shift? Significantly, it, it, it's it's our it's our, our old friend COVID, <laughs> the unofficial like co-host of the show. <laughs> you you, it, it's compulsory, isn't it? You you during yeah. COVID, you either had to learn something about yourself, cre- create create a sort of um, magic porridge pot of sourdough starter, which is still sort of fermenting somewhere, or you had to have a podcast. Two out of three ain't bad. So mine mine was learning. And I and I and I, I had a sort of big long thought and so like I spent a lot of time being slightly pissed off basically about people who didn't do the things I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I I'm up at three o'clock in the morning here and I'm, I'm yeah. and that that's it's not a not a huge problem to me because I go out and I go dancing on a Saturday night and I don't get until four and I didn't used to do that before COVID. I just sat at home complaining the fact that nobody wanted to go out anymore. Hmm. And I bemoaned the fact that when I was university, then I had lots of friends and lots of interactions. And as I've got older, they disappear. <sighs> and I thought, all right, yeah. you know, yeah. all of that. And I've got my writing and whatever you but it just sits in a drawer. And I thought, right, well, I need to do something about it. So I started going out on my own. And now I've got a little network of friends from my dancing night. Yeah. Because you go out and you're not on your own very long because people welcome you in and you, you know, because people are friendly and you're having fun. And if you've got a smile on your face and you're having fun, you know, if if you're standing in the corner looking weird, yeah, no one's going to talk to you. (laughs) If you've got a smile on your face and you're having fun, and then equally with the poetry, so I put my name forward for Pride, they welcomed me in, I did that. Then, after that, then... There's a couple of open mic things, so you put, do that, and and you you get get those things out there. And the more I do it, the more I discover that I actually I'm a complete tart and like being centre stage and uh, put me in that spotlight, and 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 I'm there. I love it. I love it. So you, I, I had to take something out. You know, I, I hated the lockdowns because I talk. Yeah. I'm, I'm gregarious. I like talking. I like noise. I really struggle when it's silent. I can't work. Can't write when it's quiet. Cafes, music, that's that's my writing space. And so the, the whole lockdown thing when there was nothing on the roads and there was no noise and there was just sort of like, it just, it melted my brain. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 all of this is sort of thanks to, thanks to COVID. I would probably have got around yeah. eventually, but I would probably have been 800 by the time I did. You know, similar, similar. Uh, two out of three there, like, you know, discovering things about yourself and uh, starting a podcast. Kind of, uh, it was several years in the making, but it was, I just came to a fuck it point. Like, and um, I don't know what I'm going to get out of it, but I'm going to get something, and I'm going to see what happens. Yeah, and, I, and I've got so, I've got no aspirations to be wildly famous, make a million pounds out of poetry because that's unlikely. <laughs> yeah, so many rich poets out there. Yeah, they're they're, they're just sort of oozing Rolling out the pavements. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I've got no. It, it's it's purely about you know the, the the vanity that I may have something to say that hits somebody else. You know, the, mm. um, I mean, is it vanity? It is if you're confidently saying it. I would like mm. to believe that I am a good enough writer that my words will resonate with somebody else. 
but I'm not going to confidently say they will because that has to come that has to come from the other person yeah that's like me saying I'm not racist I'm not sexist right I can right. believe I'm not but the only person who can tell me that is somebody who would yeah. be on the receiving end of sexism can say no I'll take it from them all I can say is I believe that I'm not or I believe my words are good enough but the people who listen to them have got to actually tell me that <laughs> so it doesn't sound quite like vanity to me. Uh, perhaps mm, a little bit of insecurity, but I think that's the poet's lot, honestly. Because how do we know? How do we know anything? Anyone connects with us unless they reflect it back to us. There, there is we have to have and, them and, there. And, and I mean, I, I know that when I do readings, I, I get positive feedback. So I, I yeah, you, know, you, you get that from from that, and you do get little bits online here and there. You know, mm. uh, one I shared this week, which I wrote this week. That's had quite a bit of positive feedback on Twitter and stuff. Whilst everybody who's artistic has a period of self-doubt and the things is never the things are never finished or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm good with words. I've, I've got classic sort of British self-deprecating thing where you never you, 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 you never sort of push yourself forward too much. But I know I'm good with words. It, it's a talent that I've got. I aspire to be artistic in all sorts of different ways, but words make sense to me. I can manipulate it. I yeah. play with them. I'm good with them. Whether I put them in the order which other people really like and, and hits, because, you know, I'm niche. I, 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 lo- I like playing with rhythms and doing things which are sometimes out of fashion at the moment. You know, it's... It, mm. I, I, Prose-wise, you know, novel. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like description which is rich, which involves you and wraps you up in in it, rather than this sort of. Right, we've got a plot. This happened. This happened. This happened. This happened. Right, right, right. That's not me. I, I, I. If you give me a choice between a whole load of action and some nothing happening, but it happening beautifully, I'll choose the French film. You know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I like words to wrap you up and, and sort of give you give you a sort of like a back rub, gently. That seems to do well enough with people, but I don't, I don't think it's ever going to be sort of uber popular. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe y- y- you don't know. Like I catch myself doing the same thing, saying this isn't going to do X, Y, or Z. And and to be honest, uh, we don't know. It may not be the exact form or the way we expect it, but, you know, we can't discount other things growing from it. No, you can't. And, and the thing ultimately is I enjoy doing it. You know, that that's yep. the thing is. And I've got all sorts of... I want, I've got a couple of uh, musician friends and I'd like to do a collaboration, mm. you know, music, music and poetry collaboration, not, 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 not music with... on overlaid the poetry to make it too much song-like but just sort of interweave them as sort of like a poem story music I'd like to do that and I don't as again it, it's not about success in sort of unit soul type thing but it, it's it's the artistic right. thing you know it, it's about it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's that side of things I really want to do say like i i just wrote myself um because i, I also fight constantly against the the poison that is the capitalistic framework for our society um i get into a fight with myself about the podcast like what i'm doing with it or um how often i'm putting things out and then i have to remind myself that this is a project not a product uh and i am doing it because i want to not because i'm trying to get 
X, Y, or Z out of it. You know, like, this is... The point of it is the doing of it. And that's it. If, if ultimately people read, hear, listen, enjoy, gain something from it, and in monetary terms, if I break even, I'm happy. You know, I sell some books. I have my overheads for this, that, and the other, and then I, I cover the two. Right, so uh, right, that, right. That, that, that's... I've got my work. I make, make my money to live over here. And then this is my creative world. And that isn't a drain financially, but I can enjoy it. Right. I'm, I'm you know... It's like, so, I mean, you, you don't... Ex- if you enjoy gardening... You don't expect the garden to make you money, do you? You just go out and you enjoy no. it. So that's the same with this, as far as I see. I agree. I agree. I agree. Like, for you, why poetry? Like, what happened to make poetry a thing in your life? Um, I hated poetry. Absolutely despised it. Um, all the way through school. Because, you know, when you said... I don't know what your school was like, but mine, you sit down. <laughs> right, we're doing a poem. I'm a Texas friend, so. Right, we, we, we're going we, to we're gonna do um, some Ted Hughes, so here's a poem. Right. And then underline underline your metaphors, circle your onomatopoeia, um, and so on. And yeah, identifying the parts. Yes, and, and, and a friend of mine, Jimmy, has got this fantastic thing. Is that if you've got a beautiful flower and you pull it apart and go, well, there's the stamen and there's the petals and there's this, suddenly you haven't got a beautiful flower anymore. And that is poetry, if you pull it apart like that. And then I went to university and I read English and avoided every single unit with poetry on it because it scared me and I hated it. I knew that because mm. I'd done that at school. Now I was sitting in a absolutely tedious fucking godforsaken job you know call center little grey box god yes script soul destroying yes yep and yep you, yep. You, yep you could um just break the little um thing on your headset and just so you didn't quite get a call until <laughs> until supervisor shout, shouted at you to um go back online so I used to bend, break that connection in between things, and I used to write short but verse about how much I hated working there. I love it. And that's where I started from. And Your first poetry was protest poetry. Yes, and it, it was. And then, then from there, then I started reading some bits and bobs. I'd liked before John Betjeman, my grand's favourite poem. I, I, I still love John Betjeman. And it's a very easy, comfortable way a poet to read. He, he, although there's a lot of complexity underneath, it is a bit like a warm blanket to read. And, you know, sort of talking about suburban life and ordinary everyday lives and people catching mm-hmm. a train, commuting to work and things. And it's that stuff. And so I started trying to write in, in a bit in that style and then... You know, whenever you start doing anything, you start as a prestige, don't you? You start to try and, yes. you know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to paint like Van Gogh or something like that, and I'm, I'm going right. to write this. It's only reading more, reading more, discovering that you could write about all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Then I went on a writing retreat, and it was a, the two poets I was working with, Sandra Lawrence and Jacob Samler Rose. And 
in a conversation with them one time, then they said, why don't you ever use I? And I never put I in a poem. I would always twist it round and I'd sort of be writing it in you or yeah. they or whatever. And it's good when I was at school, we were taught that bad writing said I. You know, the, t- the teacher would say, you know, you don't put I in there. Right. You know, right, it be, right. th- this essay is going to show, not I am going to say. All of that. Right. right. And I had a huge problem putting I in, centering myself because it was not not the done thing. Yeah. And that thing where I was challenged to put I into the poem suddenly refreshed it. It made the poems less distant. It brought them to life. And and I, I flew from there, really. So oh. um, it, it's a combination of a, a rubbish job and then um, a chance encounter with with two two fantastic poets. Like I love that, that, that putting yourself into your writing like really made it take off for you that's really interesting I, mean, I, I still part of it as well is and I don't know whether other guests and well you've found this is as a writer so many people assume the narrative voice is you yes yes I was just reading right about this yes because if you're a crime writer mm-hmm. that doesn't mean to say that you're actually a serial killer <laughs> well, we hope. <laughs> you know, if, if you're writing about vampires, you are not necessarily walking outside the door and starting to bite people every night. It's it, it, <laughs> this weird thing it's called true. imagination. It's true. Right? I can write. It, it is a particular problem for poetry where they where people they definitely think everything's strictly autobiographical. Yes. I, I can I can write a poem now. I could write two poems. I go, when this mm-hmm. call finishes, I could write two completely separate poems. I can write one about um, stroking the cat. I was writing sort of like a, a, a Friday night where I sat on the sofa and I just ate crisps and watched the television and stroked the cat. I could also write one about a Saturday, a Friday night where I went on a wild hedonistic night and had an orgy with seventeen monks. Neither of those are necessarily true, but I can write them about, you know, because I, I can write using imagination. I can write as if I am this person. I can write as if I'm an old person. I can write as if I'm a different gender. I can write as if I'm angry when I'm not. Right. You know, all sorts of things. And it frustrates the living daylight out of me that people assume <laughs> that the authorial voice is the same as the narrative voice, and it's not. Right. Right. The narrative voice is what the poem is telling you. The author's voice is um, the style you bring to it. And that's more difficult to escape from as an author, as a writer, because it's it's sort of your calling card, your style. That's where you are. Yeah. You, the narrative voice is who's telling it. And as a writer, you can bring in any number of people to tell your story. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely something um, that has come up over. Well, I mean, not, not necessarily on my previous shows, but in, in in my readings and and things that I've been looking at too, like help guide this experience is just the way the outside uh, the outside world, the people who don't write poetry mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, view poetry is uh, stunning. Like they, they find it so confusing, or they find it uh, hard to relate to, or again autobiographical. And it's like I don't know, unclenched guys. Like I also think that people uh, people with po- Poetry, particularly, are always seeking some deeper hidden thing. And yeah. 
I think that's partly because of school days. One, it's not a form people are used to sometimes because, you know, you've got the different line form you've got. Right. Line rhythm, all of those things. Right. Which, to my mind, rhythm you have in good prose as well. But that's a different mm-hmm. thing. Completely agree. But I think that because of the structure, a lot of people think that poetry has to have some deep meaning to it. And, oh, I don't get it because I haven't found the deep meaning. And sometimes... Right, 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 right. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm, I've got a poem about gin. There's no great deep hidden meaning to it. It's about gin. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's about a night out and some gin. <laughs> I, I've got a poem about my dog incessantly barking back up at the squirrels. It, that's all it is. It's just a poem about the incessant sound that was happening in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I, I wrote one last summer be, the, because the, my summer holiday was over and I wanted to be back in the south of France. Thank you very much. And it's about missing summer. And yeah. there's, there's, do you know what that's all about? If you read it and you look really hidden between the lines and sort of like things, it's about wanting to be back on holiday. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's, that really is the depth of it. And... <laughs> If you're a student, like if you're a university student, you could probably turn it around and make it into some sort of um, treatise on the on late period capitalism or something. But actually, <laughs> it's about the fact that I wanted to be on Buddy Holiday. Do you do you ever look at your stuff and take a step back from it and, and think about? You know, if you're imagining big, like <laughs> in future in future schools, that they're going to look at your stuff and how they might uh, tear it apart. I do, um, and I've got several friends who teach at university, and it concerns when I'm posting things, and they're sort of like they're they're in, they're, in, they're, they're professor of English or they're a doctor of this in and, and things, and I post this stuff, and I know they've seen it. Yeah, and I and I wonder what professors of English thing they, they never comment um <laughs> hmm. but hmm. that's that's largely because they don't deal in social media particularly they have social right, media right, but right. they don't post on it um right and i've i've never had quite the balls to turn around and say what do you think of this in case i get an answer <laughs> um yeah. to, to be fair two of them are um, um specialists in renaissance literature so and and I and I'm not a Renaissance poet, so I'm probably not their ballpark thing. So I don't ask. <laughs> but you know that, that thing we were just saying about poetry being complicated and difficult, and you've got to have right, right, right. things. I think you can find meanings undoubtedly, and you can find themes and yep. stuff within things I write. But from where I stand, I'm writing quite simply. I'm I'm writing from experience. I'm writing from thought. I'm writing from observation. Right. You can then, if you take two or three poems, then you can go, well, he's putting these things together and he, they're looking at these things here or mm-hmm. the she in these three is, the narrator being used there is feminine and therefore what's being played with him. So you can, you can have a whole, a whole play with stuff like that. Right. But as I'm writing them, I'm not necessarily thinking that. No, 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 no. Same. Um, when I started writing last year, and I wrote, I ended up writing over 100 poems last year. Well done. My aim at the start of the year was to write 52 poems exploring identity. Nailed that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check good. done. Yep. This year, <laughs> I've set myself a, another one, which I'm going to do 52 poems this year. Um, 
If I do more, great. Um, if not, whatever. And they're on the theme of sensuality. Yeah, I've noticed that shift in your work. <laughs> um, that, that, that's the aim this year, is, is, is to explore something slightly different. Now, there'll be other things come in there. I mean, I, I've written two this evening, and then I wrote one during the week, which was a bit of an angry poem. Um, Ooh, I love reasons. angry poems. And so there'll be other poems that I moved to write within that. You know, I might write another couple of summer poems, you know, when I'm down in the seventh months. The thing is, sensuality doesn't have to be just, just sort of horny shit. It, it can also be, you know, the sensuality of um, drying yourself on a lovely fluffy towel. That's sensuous. Mm-hmm. So, um, or the first time when you do get down to the south of France and the first time you put your feet into that cool water of the Ardèche, you know, that's fairly sensual, isn't it? So Yes, it is. It, it doesn't have to be sexy times it's, it's there's right. a whole load of other things it's just being aware of your body isn't it yes yes absolutely and how your body interacts with the rest of the world stroking a cat we, we, we came with like it's not gonna not gonna thank me for waking it up so i won't but, <laughs> but stroking a cat the, the lovely soft the, the way in which that can is as it purrs and you, you it's a soothing thing if you if you're anxious and a cat purring on your lap will calm you mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's all sorts of things to explore within that topic. I think that's that's I think that's a fascinating way to go about it. I haven't come up with any like goals like that for myself. Uh, currently, I'm just reading as much as I can because I've launched myself into uh, into this topic. So I I'm one of those annoying people who who reads several different types of books at once. Um, Oh, absolutely. I've got one next to the loo, one next to the bed, one in the van. Yeah. It all bounce back and forth. Some poetry, some fiction, some uh, some fan fiction, too. It's, it's also but. depending on your mood as well, because if, if you're, yeah. if you're, you know, you're, you're going in, you're a bit slippery, so you can read something a bit a bit meatier, and then another time, then you've had a shitty day, and then you, you just need a bit of comfort reading. And you, you, yes. you, you, you don't need something which you've got to sort of like wrestle with. You just want to go in and say... So if you only have one book on the go, then it doesn't matter what your mood is. You've got to pick that one book up, and you're sort of like, "Yep." And yep. perhaps you don't pick up a book as often then, because you've got mm-hmm. to do that regardless of your mood. It'd be yep. like saying, "Right, well, you've got to watch this film, regardless of the fact that you 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 don't really want that. You've got to watch that because that it's a Tuesday, <laughs> and therefore you watch that film." Yep, yep exactly. And I, I found taking like those big breaks um kind of essential like it, it just have to kind of rinse everything out and have some cotton candy every once in a while absolutely i, I there's a whole load of books they're, they're children's books they're things i read when i was you know 10 12 and if i'm in a bad place you know or just having a shitty day i'll go back to um some swallows and amazons i'll, I'll go back to uh, tom's midnight garden and stuff um I know exactly what happens, and that's part of the charm of it. They're, they're beautifully written, yep. and they take you back to comforting times. And there are times it's like visiting old friends. friends. Yeah, there are films, there are TV programs you go back to again and again, aren't they? Yes. Because, because they just give you that warmth. Who have been your influences? Do you think? Well, John Benjamin definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that 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 easy sort of conversational style of writing, where you're writing about ordinary things. Um, and a lot of the poems, poets I like, do that. They 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 talk about emotions. They talk about um, 
how you're feeling they talk about all those things but it's it's within the context of ordering this they don't try and turn it into some greek myth <laughs> um, you know, I don't live in great Greek times. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not hanging out with Zeus or anything like that. So he, he doesn't come into my life. Oh, good, because he's an asshole. Yeah. Similarly, and when I started writing poetry, I felt that my writing wasn't proper poetry because it wasn't about flowers and moss and mm. things like that. And proper poetry was this abstract thing. You know, you, you have, you have to write about something sort of ephemeral and. Right. And I don't. <laughs> um, so you're not so you're not big in the into the romantics of the of of style of poetry. No, I mean I I I have taught and I've studied Wordsworth and Coleridge and all of those and I mean partly it's Victorian. I, I mean I, I have a I have a right. big thing for I I'm I'm not hugely into Victorians. In either stylistically or ethically. Um <laughs> Fair. They are they are problematic ethically. There is a little bit child labour, religion, the whole lot. Get them in. I, I really like the modernists. You know, yeah. So Virginia Woolf, uh, um, Ian Forster, that sort of twenties, thirties time of, of writing. Louis McNeese, right. Richard Church. They're, they're, that's those are my formative things on that. More recently, uh, Ro- uh, Neil Rollinson, I really like as a, as a writer. He, he writes some very good stuff. And there's, I've got a whole, a whole shelf of poetry upstairs. Um, I, I recently reorganised with, with a new boiler put in, so I had to move everything. And I put it back in, and I've actually got, I've got two shelves of LGBTQ writers. I've got my an entire bookcase of poetry. So everything's organised in the right right way. Um, I'm rubbish with names of poets. There's uh, Norman McCaig, he's a Scottish poet. Um, he's another one who I really like. Um, he, d- he does quite a lot of landscape stuff, which isn't my thing, but I, I like I like his use of language. Mm. So although his so he's like a pastoral type? Yes, he, he's, and, and he's, he's got a very strong sense of identity within um, uh, the, the, so the landscape is almost a character. You know, yeah. it, it, and things rather than being a thing he is looking at, he brings it to life. And the other two who, who interestingly do very similar, there's um, uh, Sheffield poet uh, Helen Mort, and she's written a fantastic novel called Black Car Burning, and, it, and it's about climbing. All of her poems are about climbing, yeah. and. Her novel is is also about climbing, and so and their Sheffield and the hills around Sheffield have got personalities of their own, and they talk into the book. And oh, well, that's so neat. I so I really love Helen Mort's work, and um, uh, Andrew Grieg, who's written some of the four of my all-time favourite novels. But he's also a brilliant poet, and he does the same thing. He, he landscape is so huge within what he's writing, and the richness of the descriptions come really come forward. And he he's into climbing as well. Strangely, I'm not, but <laughs> it just happens that several poets that I know like 
climbing. <laughs> I, I have discovered the same with uh, running. <laughs> I, I keep finding poets who also run for some reason. Like, okay, this is a theme in my life that I wasn't expecting, but here we are. I, I think part of the thing is that a lot of writers who are really interested in landscape uh, and the landscape as a, as a personality and as a mm-hmm. influence they really play with language within that rather and i think yeah. that a lot and they have that modernist richness to language rather than this bare way of doing things that quite a lot of people have um mm-hmm. so i think that's why i like poets who write about landscape even though i don't do it <laughs> it's interesting yes i like the ones that challenge me a bit more yeah and, and I, I yeah I, I like to be taken out of my comfort zone a bit and be challenged in and and that as well but also i have to enjoy them i mean dickens takes me out of my yes uh, my comfort zone and challenges me but that's in the way that it challenged me not to hit my head against a wall um, <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I, I want to be challenged. I want to be made to think. Right. But I also want to enjoy it. That that's really really important. In and and I I put things down. I, I, there are books I I don't finish. I'm not one of those people who says you've got to finish a book once you've picked it up. I'm, I'm so like no. Nope. I'm not enjoying it. I, I, if I'm not enjoying a TV program, I turn it off. Yeah, if I'm if I'm not enjoying a book, I'll put it down and not read it. Life's too short. There are plenty of books in the world that you will enjoy. It might be that it's yep. the wrong time. Come back to it in eighteen months' time, and you will enjoy. God, yes, that's perfectly possible. Dickens, no. I have tried repeatedly <laughs> over the course of thirty years to like Dickens because I keep being told I ought to. Yeah, I don't, and I'm not going to. I'm fairly sure of that Good. now. Um. <laughs> That doesn't make me a better or a worse person. It simply means that I don't like it. Right. I largely, with the exception of Wuthering Heights, I largely speaking don't like Victorian novels and Victorian writing. It, it, it's just not my bag. Emil Zola onwards, I'm into. So, mm. under, so like George Gissing Zola, so the, the Fender Seekler stuff, you know, 1890-ish. That's when I start to come into... It's the same with Thomas Hardy. I like Thomas Hardy's poetry. Yeah. yeah. Can't be doing with his novels. <laughs> he is abysmal at writing women. They just, they just really, really annoy me. The same with Jane Eyre. Sort of like, oh, poor little me. I wish I died of consumption. It's sort of like, eh, so do we all. <laughs> I have to admit that I, I, I think I've read Jane Eyre... A few too many times. <laughs> yeah, I read it twice. That's twice too many. <laughs> but I haven't been able to read like any of the other like Bronte. I love Wuthering Heights. Wuther- Wuthering Heights is well, yeah. It's the only one of that era that, and it's because right, Middlemarch, you know the um, George Eliot. Love it most of the way through, and she's got these this sort of radical heroine. She's doing all of these things. She's and then finishes up. Yeah, I'm going to get married, and I'm just going to do the washing up. And uh, I'm I, yeah. and, all right. Yes, for her time, that might have been a realistic. But you were writing a piece of fiction which is radical for 600 pages, and the last 50 just goes. No, I'm not. Yep. I, yep. I'm not. Not. And. I mean, Jane is not radical in any way, shape, or form, but to my mind, Wuthering, what I love about Wuthering Heights, besides its melodrama and its high 
almost high camp romance on the hills and all of that yeah, thing. Yeah. It's also Kathy is just full of passion and fight and she's feisty and she doesn't take prisoners and yes it's a complete clusterfuck of missing misunderstanding and misinformation which all you need to do is just listen to each other and speak but kathy's not meek and mild she's not gonna sort of go along nope. with what somebody says because society says she should do or because the mad woman in the attic's now burned down so she can fit in or whatever it is <laughs> Kathy's not yeah. doing that. You know, she she is going to do cut her furrow and do it her way. And and whether that ends in tragedy or not, it doesn't matter. She is doing her, and I've got a lot of admiration for that, especially writing it in 1840 or whatever. And which is, of course, why Wuthering Heights wasn't well received at the time. And everybody went, yeah. "Oh, Jane Eyre isn't that good?" But that Wuthering Heights thing, don't let your daughters read that. They'll get ideas. Heavens forbid. Yes. So, no, so give, give me feisty Cathy any day. I do find that Rochester's wife locked away up there is the most interesting character in that book. Yes, absolutely. Um, the least interesting is Helen, who dies of consumption at Lowood School, because... <laughs> She was she was kind of wet. Poor little. <laughs> I was gonna say Jane's foil, but all right, yeah, wet, yeah. Well, J- Jane's like sitting there going, "If only I was as good as Helen, and I just died because that that's." She's like, no, what? Well, that was the moray. That that was the moray of the time. You know, of course. Like, what were you gonna do? You were gonna be a, a, a teacher, a wife, or die? Yes. If, if, if only I could. If only I could achieve death. Right. <laughs> I I think I I loved Jane the most when she left Rochester and she went on that that yes. that's and then she should that have carried internal on journey me. and she and she was staying with the vicar and but this, yeah. this is this is and it's the same with the Middlemarch thing it is there are a whole load of writers who almost get there and then they row back and go well, no we can't possibly do that yeah you know and that's what i like about wuthering heights and what i like when you head into virginia wolf and things is the fact that they 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 do take them elsewhere they, they don't have to be constrained by what ought to happen by society um and i'm i'm i'm, I'm not very good with what ought to happen <laughs> <laughs> Generically, yeah. Yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time in my life being told what should and shouldn't happen, and I and I tend right. to kick against it because well, who's telling me that? Why are they telling me that? You know, and who does this serve? Yes, and it, it's normally somebody with a large amount of money wanting me to earn him some more money. Um, yep. Education is set up to serve capitalism it, it it's a form of social control it, it's very little about actually and i know there are a lot of idiots in your country who seem to have a lot of power um uh, that's and that's, that's, that's the understatement of the year friend yeah who, who 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 seem to think education is about indoctrination with um especially religious things but it's and my take on it is straight lines desks and filling empty vessels is not what education is it's not about in 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 filling with facts you need to be facilitating young people or older people with the skills 
that they can then apply to a multitude of other things. It's about providing people with skills and the understanding to be able to do things themselves and think for themselves and think critically and think independently and manipulate information and tools and ideas. That's what education is for. Um, I agree that's what it should be. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's what it's what when I um, was involved in education was what I tried to do. Um, it's it's what I argue for a lot on when I'm writing, when I'm on Twitter, when I'm having general discussions about the nature of life. Um, is it's I, I listen a lot. I mean, I, I had an I had an interesting alterca- altercation. I had an interesting interaction with a gentleman. I've, I've got a poem down here which I've written about the, the angry poem. Ooh. I had an interesting interaction with a gentleman a fortnight ago. I was in a LGBTQ nightclub mm-hmm. and uh, went outside into the smoking area and uh, he buttonholed me in. We had a little chat. Opened up and no offence, he said. And you know anybody who starts a sentence with no offence is about to offend you. Yep. Um, with their whole damn chest. Yes. Um, it's like, I'm not racist, but you, you just like... Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> all right. Yep. What are you, you going to say is racist now? Um, and he, so he said, no, no offence. You seem quite normal. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> I think. Um, normally I find being accused of being normal to be slightly offensive but I'll take it on this case I think (laughs) but you and everyone else here should be exterminated oh my god yeah that that was that was a that was a take no offense though no offense though but you should be dead Jesus Christ and I mean he's now banned from that venue um Good. Because I, I, I wasn't the only person he had a conversation with on similar grounds that night. I didn't, I didn't go at him. He also yeah. used some deeply unpleasant racial slurs in his conversation as well. All together now. He was a pleasant one. Um, <laughs> but I had a conversation. I, I, I said to him when he used the slurs, I said, you know, you may use those, but I'd appreciate you not using them around me. And he went, yep, yeah, fine. And he seemed to think that he was being really nice by not using them around me. Is well. oh, what a lovely book. He's doing you such a favor. What a good man. I think we should engage, and we talk, and I do. I, I engage and I talk, um, which is right. probably how I end up having conversations, which I turn into poetry rather than having mm. full blown somebody attacking me. Because you know, I get out my glitter boots, I go out with my makeup and things, and it. it it rubs people up the wrong way sometimes because there are bigots out there. But equally, there are some things which are lines in sand. You know, sort of mm-hmm. human rights are human rights. They're not up for debate. Not discussing that. Discuss this, and I will engage with you while you're being a bigot, and we'll have a conversation. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. It, it, that, that's a conversation where I am trying to open your mind. Right. By being normal and by being open-minded and by being smiley and all of those normal. things, right? But you're, I, I'm, I'm not going to come over to your ground in any way, shape, or form because basic human rights, trans rights, Black Lives Matter, and all of that. So that there's, there's a line that's Agreed. not up for debate. Yeah. yeah. You can be religious. You can be, be whatever you like, but you can't impose that on me. Yep. You know that, that's the thing. So I will discuss and I'll do that. And I think that sometimes people lose this idea that you've either got to shout at people <laughs> and be polarised like that, or you've got to be all-encompassingly accommodating and let everything go. 
Yeah. And there, there's, there's actually a, a middle I point where... I thought you wanted to be tolerant. Yes. I'm, I will absolutely be tolerant to the point where I'll be polite. And I'll discuss things with you and I'll talk to you, but there's, there's lines. You know, and I'm not having those words around me. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And human rights, they're non-negotiable. So we're yep. not talking about that bit. <laughs> <laughs> because because there's, there's that red line. We don't cross yep. it. You know, and, and that... But you can, ha- you can have that while being polite, I find. And I, I think... Yeah. But everything gets very shouty. And I don't, yeah. think I, don't, I don't think it's terribly helpful sometimes to be incredibly shouty. Yeah. But you can be firm. I, uh, you can be very firm and very polite. And so, no, we're not talking about that. Yeah. I, I haven't come up too much on my own because I'm, I'm basically a hermit. But once upon a time, I was on, I was on the apps. And uh, I have a, a couple of, <laughs> of angry poems uh, from the people that I had interactions with. And, and it's always stuff that I didn't say or um, on later on processing, you know, things that would have been nice to say um, for myself. Like, <laughs> utterly devastating after the fact. I find I don't write very much political poetry. Um, I've, got yeah. a, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of thoughts on politics. I, I I talk about it a lot. It's it's a thing, but I find political poetry or my political poetry and my angry poetry is so much less effective because uh-huh. I think it becomes a rant. I think it becomes polemic rather than hmm. uh, and and it loses its impact. You need so the the one I've written about you know my interaction with him. There's an element of anger to it, but I wrote it. I didn't write it the night or the next day or something. It's um, I finished it yesterday, so mm. there's there's sort of ten days. I've had some time to think about it, to process it, and put it into a context. Then I don't know whether you've heard that there was um, a girl who was murdered over here. Yes, and yes. the oh so beautiful British media mm. miss. They deliberately, because they, they initially they reported her as um, her, and then they deliberately changed their reporting, changed the gender, changed and went and found her dead name and published that. Oh, God. Deliberately. Um, and this is, of course, a newspaper which has, in the last month, printed 154 anti-trans articles. Is it, uh, is it The that, Sun? That was The Times. Oh the, t- oh, the Times. Fantastic. I mean, they're, 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 I mean Times, Telegraph, Mail, they're, they're all pretty much of a muchness. They're, they're all cesspits yeah. of misinformation. And it, so, so him and that, I had a whole series of things in my head and I, I needed to express, and they seemed to link together. Mm-hmm. And I then had to take a step back and it's like, right, that's not about me. And I, well, in some ways... It's about all of us. Because that, that chap who was saying, oh, he should have been exterminated, that could, have, that could have escalated in a different direction. It could have, yeah. You know, that, that's quite aggressive language. Um, and if I'm walking down the street on my way home on a Saturday night at 4am in my glitter boots and what have you, <laughs> there's nothing to stop somebody taking, right. taking umbrage at me because of my presentation. After Pride, my daughter and I were attacked last year. And oh my God, I'm so sorry. 
it's one of those hazards. It's something you, 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 I mean, you shouldn't do, but you have put up with it for 30 odd years, yeah. 30, 40 years. And yeah. mostly that's verbal, but it's not always. It's got worse mm-hmm. over the last couple of years over here. I imagine it's the yeah. same over your ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, our politicians, our media, stoke it. We're in a climate at the moment where people who've held those views for a long time think they're able, they're currently able to say them, whereas once right. they knew that it wasn't acceptable because we've got politicians in the media who push that line of, oh, we're yep. just, we're, we're just, we're just common sense, we're just saying yeah. what, what everybody thinks. And you go, well, right. all of that nonsense. And I think it's important that you put that out. And so I, rather than about him necessarily, Mm-hmm. I turned it round into the fear, you know, because there is always that thing you self-edit. And I've talked to lots of friends and people who, yes, you do self-edit. Who you shall I wear that? Shall right, I? Shall right. I? You know, I'll I'll not wear that. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll just tone down my mannerisms a little bit. I I won't hold yep. my partner's hand down the street. Oh, God. All of those little things you self-edit against that violence and so you've always got this little undercurrent when those two blokes walk towards you you just pause a little bit mentally until they've gone past and you, you. you take stock you, you take, take stock, stock of everything yeah. real quick yeah, yeah. which that, that, that you didn't have to do mm-hmm. and so i turned it around into that latent undercurrent of feeling afraid mm. by the end of it um so i think Ooh. it works really nicely actually in the end but it, I've, you know, I'm going to ask, ask you to read that one, one right? Yes, I'm quite happy to read that one. It'll be yeah. it'll be a, um, an unveiling because I, I haven't I haven't performed that one at all because it's only just. <laughs> I'll ask people what they're working on and 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 they'll show me and it is just the most fantastic thing to hear to hear everyone come up with what they're working on and it's 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 been beautiful and I love it. I'm so I'm so damn honored by everybody who's come on. It, it's, and god damn especially i mean you're you're three o'clock in the morning <laughs> wanting, like agreeing to talk four to me now. So, oh, yeah it is four o'clock now i'm thankful i'm thankful it, it's, it's been fantastic what is a poem do you think and there's no wrong answer so don't don't worry too about it but like everybody's had a different idea yeah well because you can have long form narrative you can have things like which i've got one which is a it's an entire book which is in poem form it's a narrative book it, it's written in norse um style you know because of like a great yeah. epic it's a, yeah. it's a poem. um so you can't be talking about length and things necessarily it's for me it's it's about um the distillation of language Ooh. um distillation of language it doesn't have to i mean misnomer is of course that poetry rhymes it doesn't have to all that rhyme is rhyme is a tool to create rhythm and assonance alliteration they create rhythm as well mm-hmm. so for me it's it's a piece of distilled writing distilled intense writing with, with a deliberate rhythm Ooh. which creates a mood or a feeling in the reader they get that's what i think poetry is in prose you get a lot of words you know you've you got a lot of um you're the linking words you've got a lot of sort of you, you you can sort of flow gently from one thing to the other with with description with things in 
poetry, you take those bits out, you you make it richer. Uh, and I think that that's the important bit with poetry, is is the richness allied to the rhythm. Yeah. I don't I don't think you can have you can have prose that doesn't have the rhythm. I don't think it. Yeah. I don't think it scans. I don't think you read so well. I don't think it's something you remember as well. I think the right. great, great writers, and I'm thinking there's a brilliant, it's vast book by um, Alan Moore, Jerusalem. It, it's it's amazing. Um, yes, it's about fifteen thousand pages long. Because um, mm. Alan Moore's a great writer, but prose doesn't have to have rhythm. Whether it's deliberately discordant or whether it's not, poetry has to have a rhythm to it. Otherwise, it's just. Mm prose but on short lines <laughs> from what is a poem what is inspiration not necessarily what you find inspiring because th- there are so many things that could inspire something but what is inspiration itself inspiration itself is something that moves you mm-hmm. moves you to create you know you 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 could, i can be inspired by a sunset but not do anything with it i just stand there and right. go well that's beautiful it's inspiring. <laughs> wow! Look at that. Um, inspiration, inspiration, inspiration is, is something that moves you to create. It doesn't have to be poetry, but it, it, mo- it moves you to do something with it. Whether it's painting a picture or, um, or indeed, you could have an inspiration that inspires you to phone your mum who you haven't spoken to for six years, or whatever it happens to be. You know, it, it has caused it has caused you to ha- to to act in a way. Right. In a, deli- in a deliberate. So it's not. It's not that somebody leapt out in front of you in front of the car and you caused you to break suddenly because that, that's a reaction. <laughs> it has caused you to do something deliberately. So it is an inspired an act, a positive action on your part. Mm. Preferably creative. We, we hope. We, we all hope. Mm. Some people have uh, categorized it with having a type of uh, consciousness. Like, say, you have an inspiration for something, but you don't do anything with it, or you wait too long, and then the inspiration for that, that, that moves along to the next person. I think the deliberateness of it is, is sort of what I was saying about that sort of conscious, you, 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 right. So you're, you're, the conscious act uh, aspect of it is you are consciously choosing to do this. My deliberate, Mm -hmm. I am choosing to write this. So the sunset which I just go, oh, that's lovely. Right. And then I don't write about it. That's not inspired me, actually. That's not, that's not an inspiration for my work, is it? Right. Because I have... You go You go and stand next to the same sunset and you immediately pick up your pen and you do something because it's moved you. It has created that inspiration in you, whereas I've just gone, that's nice. Because we, we have different things move people in different ways or lift people in different ways. So you might... I, I might be inspired by two two people sitting at a table not talking in a coffee shop. In some way, that might that might capture me in a way, and you you don't even notice they're there. Yeah. But there's something about those two people not talking in a coffee shop, which makes me go, "This speaks to me. There, there's there's a thing here." Yeah. And it and it re- reaches inside me, and therefore. I deliberately create and create something from it because because I have I've seen something there. That's really interesting about what grabs us. Like sometimes I wonder if it's just trauma. <laughs> you have to work it out. Through a period of time where you're perfectly enjoying things, but you you just don't write. You don't you don't create. You don't do. 
because you're in the moment in a different way. Yeah. Um, another time you could be sitting there and you end up, you, you, you've you just got so much creativity coming in, you just glance and sort of like, oh, there's a coffee cup, there's a butterfly, there's two people arguing, there, there, there's, you know, there's a dog cocking its leg up a lamppost. Right, we'll write about that. And suddenly you've got a flood of creativity coming out of you and everything inspires you because there's something in the water that day. And you, you, you can't turn it off. And, I mean, there's so much shit talked about writing. Rules. The, you, you, you've got to write 1,500 words a day. You've got to write 2,500 oh, words Lord. before breakfast, otherwise you're not a writer. You've, you've got to do this, yep. that, and the other. You've got to, if you're a poet, you have to write 16 drafts, put them in your bottom drawer for six months, get them out, and dust them with um, anthrax, um, <laughs> lick the cat, and then, then only then are you a proper poet. Only then. And, and actually... There's not. I mean, I, I don't... I can't write... If I haven't got words, I can't write. You right. sit me down in front of a computer for eight hours, and if the words aren't there, they're not coming. Equally, if you make me, you say, no, you are, <laughs> you are not getting up until such time as you've written 1,500 words. <laughs> we are tying you to this chair. Out comes the cat of nine tails. But seriously, right, though. Okay. Then you come out to the end of it, they're all going in the bin because they're rubbish words. Yes. 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 I, I, I singularly fail to see the point in writing 1,500 words. I mean, I'm not going to denigrate anybody else's way of writing. You, you want to do your thing? Cool. 10,000 shit words? Cool. Do them. And then edit, edit them. You then, then you spend six months editing them, pulling your hair out, and you come back down to 1,000 decent words. But that's yeah. fine. That's your way of doing stuff. It doesn't work in any way, shape, or form for me. If I yeah, if yeah. I write words which I think this is rubbish, it's going in the bin because it's rubbish. It doesn't yeah. matter whether I wrote whether I think it's rubbish now or whether I put it in a drawer and come back to it in two months' time. I'll still think it's rubbish because it's rubbish. Yes. yes. Um. So I only write when I know that I've got words which can can be reasonable, you know. And I edit as I go. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Um, I don't do the whole draft. Draft again. Draft again. Draft again. <laughs> Put it in a drawer and come back to it six months later and draft again. I. Right. So I don't know whether I've got it here. I have. Yes, I have. Richard. So this. This was. Yes, I was going to ask you about this. But this was. This was my first draft of that poem that I was talking about yeah. before. So, mm-hmm. and I've, so I, I actually wrote, I don't normally, I normally write them out longhand on paper, but I started writing Same. this on, um, on the computer. So it, then, then, I've, then I've amended a few words here and I've added a bit on the bottom, which I've then scribbled out. And then I finished it off. I did finish it off, but it was in the pub. So I then finished off the last stanza in there. Like that. Yeah. And then, then I typed it up. Now it's got a bit, few bits crossed out, a couple of word changes as I've written. Mm-hmm. When I've typed it up, I've then changed two words, put in three semicolons, and deleted a line. And that is the editing, and it's done. Mm-hmm. So I don't go and when I've tried to do the whole. Edit, 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 thing, which I'm told is good writing. The way. Yeah. The way. Um, then I read it, and it's dead. Yeah. You've beat I, it into submission. Yes. It, it's lost all its soul. And I'm not as hardcore on that as 
Was it Ginsburg or Kerouac? Because oh, Lord. Ker- Kerouac wrote um, On the Road, didn't he, on a single roll of paper? Yeah, yeah and he, he was, was high as fuck the whole time. time. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, no, nobody, nobody could do that unless they're on methamphetamines. Like, it's just... Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not hardcore in that way. I, I do amend stuff, and I cross stuff out, and I, you know... But if it's if it's not what goes down on the paper pretty much there and then, then it's not going to work. It's the same with, yeah. my, with my novel. I might write, in a session, I might write a page. So 400, 450 words, somewhere around there. And mm. it takes me a fucking long time to do because in a similar way to writing poetry, you're wrestling with every single word to make it the right yeah. word as you as you write it. And if, it, if it's not, then I'll delete it. And that that's why it's taken me so long. Really, yeah. it's, it's, it's because it, it it is effectively like writing a hundred thousand word poem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how does that process differ for you between between writing poems and and writing something that has a longer narrative setup than a poem? I find it very difficult to switch between them. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing, and, and I mean, prose-wise, I tend to write in vignettes, so I, I write little bits, and I write a little bit, and then they sort of jigsaw together. Yeah. And that's the, that's fundamentally it is that in in a poem, then whether it's ten lines or whether it's fifty lines, you are creating a little picture, a little sort of sort of pocket of mood or tone or and as a a moment in time, an emotion. Um, an epiphany or whatever it is. If you're writing prose, then you're creating something which flows from one scene to an next so that's got um, progression, which you don't have to have in a poem, because a poem is a moment in time, and you can't write 100,000 words all about exactly the same moment. Maybe you're talking, but then again. Yeah, you have to have a whole multitude <laughs> of moments, and they have to make sense <laughs> together. Yes. So it's a completely different discipline because you 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 have to you have to have even if you're writing something where nothing much happens but it happens beautifully, it's mm-hmm. still got to have a coherence over a, over a whole sequence of pages, and a sequence of actions or non-actions. So it, right. it's it's a, it's a completely different way of writing, totally different discipline, and it's very hard to switch between the two. So how how has that affected your writing of? of either style like do you have do you do specific days do you wait for the mood to hit you to continue with your novel mood, mood completely um yeah. I, I i'm quite happy not writing anything for six weeks if i have nothing to say i have nothing to say yeah um equally i might write um three chapters in an afternoon because i've got stuff to say if, it, if it's there it's there if it's not it's not because you can't force it. I don't think you can force creativity. You you can you can force productivity. Yeah. yeah. So I I, I I could write a chapter and I could write another chapter, but I wouldn't be happy with either of the two chapters. Yeah. And I and I singularly fail to see the point in writing something I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> like why why go through my style is, is very similar in, you know, when I'm able to write. Because I can't just, you know, sit down and force it. Everything is going to sound exactly as, like, it's it'll be painful. I think part of that as well is how you view creativity and writing and what, and what you see its purpose is. For me, 
then I'm a, I'm an idealist. I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I'm an idealist. I'm a. Um, it's not just that the glass is half full. Somebody's about to top it up as well, type person. And the reason I write and the reason why we produce art and things like that is mm-hmm. a calling. It's got a message. It's got a. It's got a pleasure. It's and so on. It's not a reductive grad grind sort of. Um, we are producing this commodity. My poetry, mm-hmm. I don't see as a commodity. I don't see a piece of art as a commodity. It's a it's a piece right. it's a piece of art. It's a piece of creativity, and I think that if you it was really that question you get asked a lot of like, what genre do you write in? What what's your audience? Right, 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 right. I don't I don't know who my audience is. Whoever reads it, you know. I, yeah. I, I write because I have got this to say. Um, I do ceramics as well, and this is the same. I, I will get my potter's wheel out, and I'll I'll do that, and it's because I've got a thing I want to create. Um, if somebody wants to buy my ceramic or read my poem or laugh at when I perform it or be moved by it, fantastic, you know, because my words have reached somebody else. But it's a, it's about the art, about the artistry. It's not about having an audience. It's not about having a market. It's not about that right. capitalistic commodifying thing. They are bonuses of being artistic. The artistry yeah. is the purpose in itself. But that, that, that's that's a hard, hard thing, thing for for, for I I, I want to say. say that that's that's a hard thing for for i i, I want to say that is not something that is necessarily easily graspable graspable for our current mm, climate like it's there's a lot of push there's a lot of push to make it something again commodified as you said it's it's one is the nature of capitalism yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. where unless we can sell it make money from it market it What's the point right. of it? Right. Um, who owns it? Well, mm-hmm. who owns an idea? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so there, there's 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 a capitalism. The, the other and within that as well, and I find this in a lot of things. You know, the whole whole entertaining discourse about gender roles, transphobia, all all of those things is the same thing. It's there's a huge amount of it comes down to. Men wear this, women wear this, therefore this is how it is. <laughs> so capitalism says that you have to work and you have to produce this and therefore a book is this and it's a marketable commodity which we make money from. Although authors yeah. don't make if you want to make if you are genuinely thinking about making money as an author, then you're having a laugh because most of them are earning about four and a half, five thousand pounds a year. There's, I, th- I think there was a society of authors. I think the average author is made published traditionally published also make makes it under seven thousand pounds a year i think it is that sounds about right and that's the median point i believe don't entirely quote me exactly on the figures because but it it's ball <laughs> no, no worry, worry. like bad, bad, bad paraphrasing is a part of the show yeah. no worries it, 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 it's ballpark not very much and good luck buying a cup of coffee yeah. it's, it's a bit like spotify fleecing pretty much every single artist known to man with their God, streaming right? figures and so on and if you want to make money out of it 
Fun, have fun. <laughs> I, I, I really do admire your optimism. It's way beyond mine. Um, good, good luck. Yeah, but it, far too many people say, well, this is the system. You know, capitalism is the system. Books are a marketable commodity. We have to do this rather than going... Well, actually, no, capitalism says that, but that's not necessarily right. So the fact that women traditionally wear dresses doesn't mean to say that a dress is a woman's clothes. That means yes. that society has said that. That doesn't mean it's true, you know. And it seems to be quite impossible for a lot of people to break free of the idea that what has been a convention for a long period of time isn't actually necessarily a fact. Yeah. And that's the same with education we should talk about earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, children sitting in rows, be it having their little empty heads filled full of facts, has been the way since the Victorians came and bastardised the world. <laughs> A ridiculously gendered system serving the patriarchy has been our functional system for a long yes. time. Capitalism has been the way of persecuting most people to the benefit of the few. Yeah. And all most people seem to have the ability to do is to go, well, we can tweak capitalism around the edges to make it slightly less unpleasant. Yeah. yeah. Rather Let's than going... both on it. Why don't we just break it? Right. <laughs> you know... Agree. It's an arbitrary system. It's not... It's it's not some natural order of things. It's not like the sun rising in the east and go, uh, setting in the west. It's made it, up. It's, it's made, made up. up. Yes. Like... like all everything about it is something that we made up it's not an immutable fact we, we we are capable and even we should be disrupting these factors yes um it's like language i i've been yes. i've been fighting language a lot recently i tried to write a chapter of a book without using any gendered language Ooh. fucking impossible right it, it is, is very, very difficult, difficult. Very, very difficult, difficult. yes you come across things which you don't realize are gendered, which are. You discover that all sorts of things, whether you're talking about a cat, you it's you suddenly have got gendered in there. You've got yep. the way in which you use, he reached out and opened the door. The number of times gendered pronouns are used casually, which you don't realize until sometimes you start doing it. Similarly, then I decided I can't, because I was going to write my entire novel without mm. using any gendered pronouns. And I decided that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, you're gonna have to, you have to refer to people for, for clarity. clarity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there are so, there were so many problems with it. It just was not working. But I would love to be able to do it. But I think you'd have to do it as an experimental short story or novella um, mm. to start it, and then you'd have to start like a bit like Polari. You'd then have to start having a whole movement where people bought into it. Uh, you'd have to have a little sort of niche club where people understood. Right. Then right, I'm trying right, to think right, about right. other aspects of language. And I know a lot of people who are neurodivergent have a problem when things are talked about as being mad and loony and all of those types right. of words, which are, again, thrown out all the time. How yes. often do we use terms for neurodivergence just casually? Yep. yep. In, or, in order to discount things, they are they are used in order to invalidate whomever you're speaking about. And we use appearance, particularly if somebody's larger and so on, as yep. a way of yep. and, and so on. It turns into like this weird moralization. It stems directly into, I, I think, into that Victorian 
movement that we've been ba- bashing all night. Yes. And, and yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, the slightly problematic children's author, um, they have... Uh, uh, they, they have a whole catalogue of problematic things whereby all of the, pretty much all of the bad characters are God. unattractive, um, fat in some way. All of the good characters are obviously hot as fuck. Um, yep. Because that's the way it is. Bad people are ugly. It's a fact. Ugly. ugly. Yep. 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 Um, but then I've been taking that again. And language of violence, how often as well... Oh, is it ingrained? We, you know, the language of war, the language of battle, the language of fighting and you know, yeah. aggression yes, 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 is yes. ingrained in so much of what we say and write all the time. And I'm a lifelong the language of suppression. Yes, I'm, and it and it it normalizes violence and aggression. It normalizes all of those things because it's just part of we we're going to fight cancer, are we? Really? We're going to have a war on drugs, are we? <laughs> yeah, Boris Johnson, the Muppet, was um, saying that he, he was he was going to he was going to wrestle COVID on the beaches. Like, how? It's a fucking virus. You can't see it, moron. <laughs> Walking around thinking he's the fucking oh god! But he's using the language of the Second World War again because exactly uh, yes, yeah. yes, which is why we've got Brexit anyway. But because people have got some mm-hmm. weird fetish about the 1940s and 50s, but it's all of that language of violence we take for granted. It's just ordinarily in there, and I've suddenly become really aware of it as I move from gender through. Neurodivergence and so on, and, and I'm trying really hard, and I'll turn insults around. But I want, I want. So I've stopped. I've tried to stop calling our gender critical friends idiots. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. I've started calling them amoebas, um, because they're single-celled life forms um, with very little sentience, which I think, and they drift through plankton with limited <laughs> comprehension. Oh. So I'm taking Beautiful. away my insults away from neurodivergence and so forth and trying to... But you're ha- you you have to be aware, you have to think about it. I think it's a good thing to right. be aware of your language. The more things you unpick, the more you find things are problematic. Then yeah. you have another problem. Well, I, I am finding another problem in the fact that Whilst I want to unpick this and not use this language and this language and this language, and I want to create a new paradigm for that language use, mm-hmm. I live within the language structure as it stands. Yes. So how do I reject these language patterns whilst also inhabiting a language which has developed over several thousand years to this point and is accepted by everybody else around unquestioningly and I need to be able to communicate freely with this without sort of bending what are my principles around that yes it's incredibly difficult the more incredibly you think it's, if you think too hard about it it can get in the way and stimmy your writing completely because you're so busy worrying about am I doing this am I doing that so what I'm trying to do is I, I'm move, I'm trying to move towards being generally ungendered in my language expression, being generally um, respectful of neurodivergence, being generally pacifist in my language choices, 
whilst recognising I work within an existing language system and therefore I can't always do those things. Yeah. yeah. And I also have learned patterns. I mean, I'm 52. I've got learned patterns of speech which have gone back all of my life about words like idiot or mm-hmm. that's mad or whatever it is. Right. right. And we're, and we're going to fight this or whatever. They are ingrained. And unlearning things is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I can say is I'm on a pathway to do those things. And I think that that's, that's the best that anybody can do, really. I, th- I think that, <laughs> especially seeing as a lot of the language I hear at the moment is going backwards rather than progressing. You know... I have conflicting feelings about that too. Like, I'm not sure if it's necessarily regressing. <laughs> Although I wouldn't be surprised. I was thinking about my friend and his uh, extermination. Yeah. Which is language I haven't heard in a long time. It's like, oh, mushrooms. Like, <laughs> it's like it was just under the surface. So I don't know if it's necessarily regressing or if we're just uncovering the lot. Yes, I I agree with you. I think that it's it's being allowed the oxygen of being out in the in the in the in the realm where it's been under a blanket for a long time. I don't think these people have just suddenly appeared. I think that they are suddenly emboldened to say what they've thought for a long time, Um, and that's partly, I feel, on us as well as progressives who thought we'd Mm. won. <laughs> oh. There's that language of, of, of warfare again. We've won. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but we 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 thought that the um, the arguments in favour of um, equality and, and prog- progression and fairness and human rights had reached a point of, ex- of general acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I think there was complacency. And mm. um, I think that there was a complacency on the part of the last Labour government under Tony Blair, who yeah. um, enacted the Human Rights Act, and they did, did those things and thought, yeah, sorted. And I think there was a complacency with Obama as well. In the, I mean, he yeah. he was also <laughs> stim, he was also stimmied by the fact that he had a Republican Congress, so he couldn't get yep. things through. So when people criticise Obama for not doing enough, in part, that's the Republicans' fault. Um, But also, I think the Democratic Party had a a sense that we've got a a progressive black president, we're sorted. America is healed. Pat ourselves on the back. We 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 done beat racism. We 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 have we have reached that equality. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that and I think that this is the same with Brexit is the fact that the the pro-European side never thought it would happen and so never made the case for um, Europe. It's it's wild. How, I mean, I, I I of course can empathize because we had the same sort of sort of movements happening here. But just how many people said they never expected, even though they voted for Brexit, that they never expected it to actually happen. Then why did you vote for it? Yeah. So, yeah. so many See, people did it. Voted. I, I know. I know several people who voted for it because they didn't like the government. Well, well join, join the, the club, club babes. babes. But. 
it was a referendum on leaving the EU. It had nothing to do with whether or not you're getting rid of the government. I mean, you, you vote. You don't vote on that when you've got a vote on this. Vote on that at the election time. Vote on this at the referendum time. So that yep. this this still baffles me, right? I have an ex-colleague who wanted to leave Europe to get better weather. She thought, yes, she thought that leaving Europe meant we could move somewhere else and have better weather. What, what you guys aren't seeing is that I am completely, uh, I, I don't know how to process that that particular piece of information. The, the, the face journey I went on is um, evident. It's, wow, weather exists everywhere. Um, I don't know what to do. Equally, and, and she was astounded and shocked and then really felt bad because when she realized after voting that geographically nothing changes. Did she think the island was going to move? Yes. Like we would leave Europe and go somewhere else. <laughs> oh, well done. She was genuinely upset that she'd voted to leave on the basis of something that wasn't then going to happen. And she felt really stupid. Well, I mean, good. (laughs) Yes. But language, if if you are looking at people who think that you can move an entire country by voting to leave a political bloc, then the chances of that person, which is an extreme end, but the chances of that person looking at and wanting to or understand or, or even starting to think about breaking down the structures of language and mm. breaking down the structures of capitalism or of gender things, because most people accept the structures in which they've grown up and in which they live. Yes. You know, red pillar boxes, the postman wears this and so on. These are the things which structure our time and they are normal. Right. And a big part of the appeal of certain types of literature, of period dramas and things like that, is providing you with that comfort blanket of um, a shared history, a shared story. And that's why so many people have a problem when Black Lives Matter come along and says, you are missing big big parts of history out. Right. Right. and then they get all arsy about it and they're going, you're, you're trying to get rid of history. No, we're not. We're saying that you're missing lumps of history out. Yes. yes. It's it's not that that didn't happen. It's the fact that there's another you're part of history as well. You're missing a giant part of the story. Yes. You're missing a giant part of the context. And there are so many people who aren't ready to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And that's a huge part of the problem it, is because what you're doing... And I recognise why this is such a threat to people. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is is you're shaking their known things. You know this happened. Oh, yes. And it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. You know it. Because it's a folklore thing. Yes. And so, you know, the classic thing of the, the, the victors create the history. Mm-hmm. But that, that is part of the thing. There's a folklore about the First World War. There's a folklore about the Victorians. Yeah. The Victorians didn't like sex and covered up piano legs. Well, that's sort of not true. Right. right. The, the First World War the was... The Victorians were actually a very horny bunch, but... Right. Yes. 
<laughs> the first first world war was universally welcomed and everybody joined up into um, things and went off patriotically fight for king and country well actually not because the trade unions actually went on strike over it because they didn't want to fight other working class people yeah yep. There's there's an awful in the 1940s and 50s you could go out leaving your door unlocked because there was no crime. Well, that's not really true either, is it? No. And no. It, there's an awful lot of myth around things. In the 1960s, suddenly everybody had sex. Nobody had sex before 1960. <laughs> like, well, that's not true either, is it? No. Have you have you not read D. H. Lawrence? Um, <laughs> so. It's. I like. I like swearing. Swearing's fun. Swearing's good. Swearing is expressive. Um, yes. I've been swearing since I was eleven years old. Uh, I'm not going to stop anytime soon, because I'm an adult. I have no problem with it. And I used to say to children, to my children, there's no such thing as bad language. You've got inappropriate language. So if you are in a meeting with your head teacher and you say, "What the fuck do I? What am I doing here?" That's inappropriate language. If you playing a game of sport and you break time and you swear, then that's entirely appropriate. Yeah, yeah. that that was that my thing. Appropriate. That, is that fine. was my thing with my children. Once once you know when and where you can use it, I don't mind you using it. Yep. That's the thing. But there's a whole thing whereby all this bad language is a modern phenomenon. Mm. And you're thinking, that well, it's certainly been around since the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly sure it was around in Chaucer's time. <laughs> because the wife of Bath, she's got a filthy yes. head. Yes. Yes, she does. And I think that at all points in between, it's been around and people have sworn merrily. I can't imagine the Elizabethans were sitting there being all prim and proper and not swearing. I'm going to come back and blame the Victorians for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because of their sort of pious morality wandering around and what went into novels and what we rely on is novels we rely on media for what the victorians were like so yes and that could be it's the same as what people wear and all of those things we're relying on written media and if you look now at our written media and looked at newspapers say as a historical document for what people of this time were thinking would it be accurate? Mm-hmm. No. It would not. It 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 is the voice of those who are desperate to keep their grab in power. If you looked at magazines for what people are wearing, would Vogue give you an indication as to what ordinary people are wearing now? Absolutely not. The idea that women didn't work. Well, no, middle class women didn't work. Working class women had to work. Yes, they did. We are reliant for our understanding of language in Victorian times or before on what was written down, which means what wealthy people were prepared to print and then maintain a library of. Yes. yes. And everything to reinforce to reinforce the view and the power structures that they had in place already. Yep. Yes. And so our our structures, our understanding of the past, which informs our folklore about the present, is all mediated through yes. through patriarchal capitalist power structures. And you and you have to view those things and see them and unpick them to be able to unpick your own language and your own prejudice and your own privilege. Because if you don't start unpicking it, you can't understand it. But I also recognise that doing all of those things is really scary for people. 
It is. So do you think poetry, I could say writing in general, but specifically poetry, has a duty then to to be that sort of like galvanizing force, especially now when we have such a such a wide playground, essentially. Like we can put out anything. Anybody can write something. Anybody can put it up there. Do you think a poetry has has a duty to be that voice of like protest and and common man? I don't necessarily think protest. I think mm-hmm. um, I'm going to I'm going to do something heinous here. I'm going to differentiate between um, art and commodity, right? Which right. is is I, I recognise pejorative and elitist of me, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you're creating art. In, term, mm-hmm. in in any form you want to put that, we'll talk about poetry. But if you're creating art, then I think you have, yes, you have a duty to question and make people think, to illuminate. Right. I don't think that has to be in polemic form. I don't think you have to be in protest mode. Right. Because by illuminating and making people think, then you are hopefully bringing that question into focus and therefore you are doing it without beating somebody over the head with a sort of roll, rolled up pamphlet <laughs> um, if you if you're if you're writing a commodity text mm-hmm. um and seeking to make your seven and a half thousand pounds a year of um wild wealth from your novel <laughs> um then no um, you're 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 simply creating entertainment and filly boots, right? Um, right. You're 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 in a different area, but if if you are if you're creating art, yes, I think that you have a you have a duty to illuminate and and to try and broaden people's minds, um, which doesn't have to be lecturing, and I think it's right. most effective when it's not lecturing. Agreed. I think that the best way of opening anybody's mind is to get them to think go hang on because it's coming from inside right, right. you are never going to change someone's mind from outside yeah. you know it, it has it's, to happen internally yes you know you, you you you've got you've got to come to those realizations yourself you've got you've got to come to it and good art of any nature can make you raise questions about the nature of humanity and the nature of the self the nature of society by looking at it by reading it and That'll that'll come from in, within them. I, I, I am a noble How? idealist. <laughs> How has poetry done, done that for you? Well, my, my writing is is permanently about things because I am I'm exploring. When I whenever I'm writing, I I am exploring things. I'm I then think about the themes. I think about my words. I'm right. So from a personal level, I, I don't just write write words down. I don't write, just write about the sunset and just go, there you go, there's a sunset poem. I've just described it. <laughs> well, well done. Yeah. Um, isn't it pretty? Um, <laughs> and, and because I'm a pretentious ass, then I also do want, <laughs> I, I want to reach those those things. So I want my writing to be resonant and to to, to be at a, at a higher level like that. Right. In terms of things I've I read, then... I'm I'm permanently disappointed by things um, because I want to be moved, and I find things that are a bit sort of uh, okay. Yeah, I <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it didn't move me. 
Yeah. 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 Um, some of the best, so, I mean, the things we've mentioned is uh, the Richard Church. There's, there's a fantastic poem by Richard Church called Allotments. And it talks about these clerks who are on their allotments digging. And for a moment, there's a shaft of sunlight comes down and strikes their spade as they're digging the soil. And for that one moment, they're um, Spanish kings covered in gold and things. And then the cloud rift closes and they're just clerks again. And the beauty of that, and when I read that, what I find so powerful about it is is, is the thing that those ordinary people on their allotments, and you can imagine this is written, I think, in the 1920s, so just post-First World War, and those ordinary people just digging their allotments after work in their tweed, the pipe in the pocket, you know. (laughs) And they are as noble as kings. The ordinary person is as important, is as great, is as noble, is as beautiful as the king with his golden halls and all of those things. And the natural world, the sunlight, illuminates that and shows that. And then it closes and everyone's going to ignore it. And that was really powerful to me. And I don't know whether that's what Richard Church was wanting to do with that poem. Yeah. But it's what I took from it. And for me, you read that and you cannot then carry on through life being snobbish about ordinary people and the working class and all that. Because if you recognise that ordinary people, working people, are as important or as beautiful or as noble as kings and queens and all the things in history, then your whole perspective has to shift because suddenly history is different. Your ideas about the structure of money and finance and things have to be different because why is that person more important than that because they've got more money and they've got a BMW right Right. you know it shifts and so a poem can do that I mean in in, in that case it it, it was knocking at an open door because I've been a socialist since I was 10 so (laughs) but it's still a really good poem to illuminate that and really make you realise and think I really do like poetry that that does that for a person there i'm going to paraphrase badly um but there was a quote that i'd read that uh had said that poetry is the only form of writing that asks you to change while reading it yes we're at about two hours now and it's fun. we are we are we should uh pr- i should probably be a good host and start wrapping it up yes. um, <laughs> but i do i want to um i would love to hear the angry poem and anything else you would like to share Right, what, what I'm going to do... Right, I'll, re- I'll read that one first. Okay. And then, then, then I'm going to set you a little challenge. Okay? Ooh, a challenge. Well, it's not a challenge, but it, it's sort of a, 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 set of, a set of choice. After. Ooh, all right. Yeah, no, so it, it's... I, I, I hope that the, the pure anger aspect of it has been mitigated somewhat like we were saying you know because right. if if i just sort of like go in ranting it's like you're an asshole <laughs> homophobes are bad yeah 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm my audience might clap and go yay homophobes are bad but am i Am I reaching anything further? Am I am I illuminating right. in any way, shape, or form? All, I, all I'm right. doing is, is is ranting, um, and I don't 
I do a lot of branding um, because <laughs> I keep encountering news. <laughs> it keeps me, it is thrust upon you. I, I mean, I, I, for the last five years, six years since Brexit, I've, I've, I've tried very hard to wean myself off because it's bad for me. I, I used to listen to the radio news in the morning, and by the time I got to work at eight o'clock, I was absolutely fuming. I was spit- yeah, what a terrible way to start your day. Um, so I've I've weaned myself off all of that. I don't watch any news. Haven't watched any news, Rich, but it still sneaks through. Somebody will share something, or you'll 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 just you know you, you can't find the remote control, so you catch the start of the news before you can turn the fucker off. Um. So it still sneaks through, and I, I still have rants, and I still know what the Tories are up to, and I, I still, I still, um, it, absolute Egypt you've got hanging around in Florida. Um, yes. So yeah, I, I, I know these things, and I listen to podcasts, and they talk about it. You know, there's a fantastic podcast, Gayish, which is which is amazing. Um, it's a uh, two guys in Seattle, and they sort of. They talk about all the um, the stereotypes of being gay, um, because they're they're both gay, but they don't like shopping and they don't like clothes and that sort of thing. But they do they like trucks and so they they try to break down that. And in there, I, I get quite a lot of American politics comes into that. Um, obviously, <laughs> I don't um, know if I should apologise for that or not. <laughs> no, it's fascinating. Um, I, I like knowing and I and. One of my frustrations with us is the fact, as a country, is that we have a lot of stuff on a surface level about American politics and American culture. Yeah. It's not very deep. I know more in the last five, six years than I've ever known before because I've gone, gone away and read and I've understood stuff. Because I've been, since I've, le- since I've left the radio because it's got news on it, <laughs> and I've got a curated radio of podcasts. I've got yeah. about 30 podcasts I listen to a week. And it means that I curate it, but it also means I know more about all sorts of things. And I've, I think that we should, and you as a country, should explore French politics, French culture, Italian yes. culture, and Nigerian culture, Zimbabwean culture, all of those different politics and things. But we are very, very Anglo-centric, you know. Yes. As, as both of our countries. Yes. Um, and I, th- I, I think it's because there's a lot more to the world than just America and Britain. We certainly are the fucking loudest, though. Oh, yes. Um, right, so. My, my non-angry, angry poem, perhaps. No Offence is the title, obviously. <laughs> you may pull me to one side with your no offence and winning smile sidle into my conversations with your concerns so disarming. But, as you casually chat about how you'd like me to be exterminated, along with all the other fucking degenerates, although, thank you so much, so, so much, apparently I seem quite normal. You may refuse to hear, to see, to feel, top all your disgust at my friend's glitter, at my boots, at those entwined fingers, at her, just saying excuse me and going to the loo. At him in pirouettes of heedless heels, living as queen in shards of gleaming joy. You'd shun, destroy, because you told me you hate us all. 
just simply nothing more for being exactly who we are tonight, tomorrow, at work, or walking our dogs. While you lean in close to share, no, frankly, I don't take offence. It's tired. I'm too weary of you for that. Tired of you, of second-guessing, of self-editing. Afraid. Afraid your words will spill, fearful one day, words and objects thrown will escalate, shed my glitter, exterminate my glib defiance of your hate. Ooh. They are de a debut reading. Thank you. Hey, exclusive. No, that was gorgeous. Thank you. I, I hope. As I say, I mean, it was... It was a moment. It shook me at the right. time when it happened. Um, then I went and danced and ignored it. A couple of days later, then, I was aware that that and a couple of other things had sort of, you know... They take a little time to process, and you don't realise they yeah. affect you until afterwards. Yeah. You think you've got over it, and then it comes back at you. Um, it's like a radish yep. or a kebab. And... <laughs> it's the birth after the meal. Yes, yes. And then then you have, like I said, you know, the, 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 the murder of the um, trans teenager, Brianna, and all of those things, and you're suddenly aware of the, the, the fear thing. And I wanted to get those two in there, but without being angry. I wanted to, to express it and talk about it to illuminate it rather than just ranting about it. And I think I've achieved that. I think you have. So, um, yeah, I, I'm quite pleased with it. Which is always a good thing to say. <laughs> but I, I, I tend to... I, I mean, we're all critical as writers. Hugely <laughs> critical of ourselves. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, I, I quite like most of what I write. Because it doesn't, it doesn't get to typed up form unless I'm content with it. Yes. And it might be that if I go back to it, I think, well, I could have done that better. I could have done that, but I, there's no point because that moment in time is gone. Mm, yes. I've, I have often struggled with that. Yes. Yes. And if I want to write something else about a summer holiday. I need to write about this summer holiday, not rewrite that one. Right. Because right. that moment is gone. This is how I live. It's terrible for organisation. As, <laughs> as an employee, I am a walking nightmare. As a human being and as a writer, it works really well. Calendars are useless to me because, like, time. Oh. Right, right, time. Yeah. I have today. Yes. I, I am I am here in today. All of the stuff there is gone. It's it's finished with. So if we have a huge blazing row on Thursday, it's now Friday evening. I don't care anymore. It's gone. So I don't hold grudges, I don't do those things. So I just I just can't. Because I just don't care. It's finished. Whatever. Yeah. Fine. Um, equally, it means I don't chew over things all the time. Because it's gone. It doesn't matter. 
today. But it also means I'm not worrying about tomorrow, right? My, my time frame is today, big today. Yes. Then we sort of trail away for the next five days where I know what's happening. And I have a vague idea that in a couple of months' time I'm going on holiday. But that's sort of... Don't tell me what. Don't tell me what's happening in a fortnight's time because that that two weeks' time is the equivalent of twenty twenty nine as far as I, my head is concerned. Yes, I, I I am in now with a small awareness of the next five days. Yes, yesterday, next month, I'm not worrying about it. Not overthinking it. It's got. It's either gone or it's irrelevant because it's too far away. Loads of people can't get this. They, they, because they, well, you've got calendars, yes, but I don't look at them because it doesn't matter. I'm here. I know what's happening yeah. today. I know what's all happening tomorrow. Right now. Yes. All we, all we are guaranteed, is right now. Today, you and I have an argument today. I'm enraged. It's gone tomorrow. Yep. I will process it in that time and think: Was that my fault? What could I have done differently? I will go through that in the in the twenty four hours after something happens, and then it's finished. In my for me, other people will still be thinking about it seven years later, <laughs> and other people will be worrying about what's going to happen in March next year because X is happening. I was like, I don't know what's happening. Right. I don't know what's happening next month. Right. <laughs> Well, I've suddenly realised tonight, I'm going to do a gig in, in, Mar- in March. There's a really good band called Rumba Club, and they, they've got a launch thing for their um, second album. And uh, so I'm going to, going to that. And that's in March, which is forever away. And I suddenly realised it's actually not. It's, a, <laughs> it's next month. Oh, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes. So I'm actually, it's actually four weeks today that I'm going to this gig. <laughs> and, I, I, and I only realised that because my um, life drawing class would be that day, which I'm not going to because I'm going down to that. Otherwise, March, March is like ages away. It might as well be Jupiter. Yes, only it's not, is it? It's about 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in today. <laughs> yes, yes, the concept, the concept of the future is it's a like, what? <laughs> It's too ephemeral, and 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 I don't know. It might not make it. I mean, yeah. So it's it's a really good way of being as a person because you don't have that fear, paranoia. You don't beat yourself up about things. You don't overthink and whatever. You you're you're in this, but it's a walking fucking nightmare when it comes to being organised because yes. Um. You know, somebody wants some paperwork, they've got a deadline, and, and you don't realise because you knew it was going to happen, but it was six weeks' time. And then you turn the page and you go, oh, tomorrow, fuck. Okay. Right. Well, that's me up late tonight, then. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes hand in hand, too, with deconstructing the uh, capitalistic patriarchy, like colonist fucking mindset I don't have a watch um I did for years because as an employee you need it yeah now I'm self-employed I don't have a watch and it I mean I've got one on my phone obviously right, right, right. 
and because the way I see it is I'm employed now to do these little things not by time there are there are clients who measure things in time and then I'm aware of via my phone but I'm I will meet you at lunchtime I'm going to the cafe early afternoon and that for me is how I tend to work things I don't ha- I don't I go to bed when I get tired I don't look at the clock and go oh it's half past ten I'm going I just sort of, I, I just flow through and if I'm going home from the pub at two o'clock on a Saturday night or four o'clock it's because that's what my body is telling me to do now rather, rather than I am going home because it's two o'clock because I have no idea what the time is Yes, I fucking that's this release of of this of our made up idea of, of, of time and expectations is it's fascinating. Yes. You you need to, you need to start at this point and leave at this point. Why? Just for like let, let, let you know if you if you have to work to make the money to in order to live. But as long as you're doing the work you're paid to do, at what point you're doing that, it shouldn't matter. This whole presenteeism of I am in the office for X period of time, look how hard I'm working. No, right. You're not. You're in an office. That doesn't mean to say you're working hard or achieving anything. (laughs) Yes. All, All you're achieving is proving to your management that you can come in through the door. Right. You, well you have proved that you can sit in that chair for eight hours. Yes. Good on you. One of the things that baffles me is the concept of not safe for work. Right? When I'm at work, mm-hmm. I'm working. Therefore, I am not on my phone or anything else doing things right. which are either safe or not safe for work because I'm at work. Equally, when I'm not at work, I can look at anything I like because I'm not at work. Exactly. And... I also don't then do work. Yes. Yes. Because you are paying me to do that job in this amount of time. Therefore, if you want me to do more work or more time, pay me more. Pay me. Yes. Pay me. Because what you're doing is you are paying me for my time and expertise. The more expertise I have, the higher my hourly rate. Yes. You want more time? You want more expertise? Give me more money. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> right. My challenge. I'll do. Th- I'll do because th- it's late. I'll do three. Okay. Yep. If that's all right. Yep. That's beautiful. Um. We've got m- minus a couple. Minus a couple of sort of um, prose bits and things. But we've got a hundred pages in here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So, starting from page 10. So, we've got between 10 and 100, we've got poems on. Mm-hmm. So, you're going to give me a page number, and I'll read that one. Now, the reason why I'm suggesting this is because when I do performances, I tend to pick a certain poems, and I'll go back to them. So, I thought that this was an interesting way that some of those poems I might not have read before... Oh yeah. Will 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 come will come forward, you see. So that that was that was the reason why. Alright. 
Now, had I, had I have mentioned this idea to you in advance, you could, of course, have had a little look because you have got a copy of it. But um, I do, yes. But uh, I didn't mention it to you in advance, so you haven't had a chance to... Pre- That's perfect. This whole thing, this whole thing is, is fly fly by the seat of my pants. I don't prepare for shit. Like, <laughs> I do read your stuff. I did read your stuff, so I did that much preparation, but I did not uh, do too much more than that. <laughs> You all can also expect a similar level of professionalism from me from all further endeavors. <laughs> all right. Three, yeah? Yeah. All right. Um, page 74. Page 74. Righto. I'll go there. Page 39. All right, I'm down too, so I don't forget. 74, 39, and let's do four. Oh, we start, we're starting from page 10. So should we go 14 then? Let's do 14. Perfect. Because the, 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 the first few pages are the contents and things, and yes. that, that's not that's not the most exciting thing to listen to. <laughs> well, this is actually the oldest one in this this collection to start with. Uh, right. And having said I don't do landscape poems, you've managed to pick a landscape poem, or a <laughs> sort of. Okay. And I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't, this, this one's not been shared in any way, shape or form for ages. Drifting Road. Drifting Road. Passing through the winds of lanes and ways, this road through the wood drifts in thought, takes a sideways detour unexpected to the coast, where waves wash scoured puddles and wind diverts this drifting road far inland to hills, rich with rocks of hidden green veils, nestling in the vagary of an ambling byway's capricious whimsy. Tramp this road through dell and field, pause in summer tranquility between gnarl- beneath the ar- gnarled yew, and breathe the possibilities of coasts, hills, forests, marshes rich with birdsong and the chatter of chance that takes this drifting road to your door and on somewhere. Ooh, I like that. We breathe the chance of possible. Oh, that, that, that was about the opening of possibilities. The way that things are unexpected. I suppose it's. I hadn't realised this until just now. <laughs> Echoes of Bilbo Baggins. Um, you know the, the 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 road goes ever on. Yes. Um. I hadn't realised it has echoes, but it has echoes of that. As like it's you, you follow this path and it opens up before opens you. Yes. Up, opens up ahead of you of possibilities. I think that's rather uh, rather fitting for for tonight's topics. I think yes. that worked out very well. And and, and as I, I haven't read that in a or, or even gone to it for ages. So so thank you for picking that one. I would never I would never have chosen that one. Really? Why not? Um, because it's not quite where I am at the moment. It is, and I think that um, that's a moment in time, and where I am at the moment is is somewhere different. And right. So mood-wise, that's quite reflective. And 
a lot of what I'm writing at the moment is quite it's quite dance flory. It's is quite energetic. It is, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just a, just a slight shift in in tone from there to yes, thirty nine. Yes. Ooh. Now we're 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 heading in a off into a tangent on um on this one. Right. Love me a tangent. <laughs> we're not going to tangent, totally change of mood. So this one this <laughs> is from the little section um in here called Throne Words. Um which is about all the lovely things people have said to me over the years. Um mm. That one, no offence, would probably go into the throne words section if it was written now. Right. This is called Boy. Ooh. Um, you are male, masculine, manly, a man. The golden curls, the red sweater, the unknowing childish inquiry of 77 cannot be, cannot be more than a memory, an anecdote. Ah, the staunch manliness of an anecdote. Hone your stiff upper lip in anecdote. <laughs> Young man, let me tell you a tale to cover your woes, feelings. Take a moment's silence. Dress in monotones of middle ground. Feel the strength of timber, not the brush of weeping beech, nor, heaven forbid, the flight of the playground squirrel. You girl? How often? No fucking pansies in my house. You need the right toys. Learn you right <laughs> manliness. Isn't painted in pints of varnish? Isn't a veneer? Toughen up, boy. Boy, more. Shadow, sheepdog, mummies, boy. If the insolence of you, boy. A bonfire of doll's house shadows. Cry? 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 I'll give you something to cry about, boy. You need to learn, boy, about the world, how the world works. Hairs on your chest, boy. I'll give you something to cry about. Up at six, my father. Shoes that gleam, boy. Pick your nose the right way. Pinky up, that's the way. Hands out of pockets, boy. No softness in the teardrop undulation of emotion. Living in polished dovetail timber boxes. Red polo neck at seven. The question asked of the blonde curls, the innocence of a spark ignited. Slow burning through the decades. Tinder glowing in the emotive undergrowth of the lingeringly unspoken. Glowing in the headlong cornered rush of a darkly cornered hedonistic kiss. But boy, boy, the artifice crumbles from archaic anecdote. The performative vacuum wheezes across decades. And boy standing in pansy-strewn ashes. The blazing doll's house impossibility reduced to the dark dance of sullen pints, silent nights, naught said, silences. A boy's glittering soul glinted forever. No, boy, no! Through tears, through silence, through barbs, ridicule, banter, every fear just teases. And I am not boy, not he, but dancing, tearful, oversensitive, fearful, thrilled, silent, loud, glittered agonies, delighted, skipping, a delirious cacophony of cavorting, planting the borders of that doll's house echo with flamboyant bedding, relishing questions. Boy. Oh. Oh. That did come from experience. 
I, I oh. was referred to by um, stepfather as boy through my childhood. I was gonna. <laughs> that sounded very paternal. Yes, I, I, I there, there are. That, that, you know, so I, when I when I've said before that uh, I have a problem with the concept that poetry is autobiographical and the authorial voice is the narrative voice. That is one that is autobiographical. So, um, yeah, that's uh, so that was an interesting one <laughs> and a very different that was time. A great one. Um, yeah, yeah, and and and. And again, I haven't done I haven't done that in performance for a while. I, I have done it, but not not for a while. Um, partly because it's quite a long one for performance. Right. So it, it, I think there are other ones which convey things more appropriately for performance. Sometimes. Right. I get that. You you if you're in performance, sometimes you you need to keep hold of your audience, and if you're going onto the third page then I, I wonder sometimes whether they're starting to drift right 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 I think I though this one I don't think it's too long I, I see your concerns and I, I understand them but I think it's uh, I think the length helps it actually I think it conveys well the importance of it the impact the length is 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 directly connected it, it, to the it's impact. It's also um, a very different style as well. That staccato thing um, is something I don't often do, but I think it works in there because you, you, you've got that, the barbs and the jutting and, the, and the, the, the pain and the scars left from all of these things that have taken place. Um, yes. So I think the staccato bit works quite nicely in it, actually. I agree. And, uh, so, and then the third one, 14, which is ephemeral. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've managed to you've managed to avoid all the saucy ones as well. <laughs> Not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to, have, to, have, to, have to tempt people in, into sort of uh, straying onto and reading some of the saucy ones separately. <laughs> um, so ephemeral. Corners, tables, teetering, balance, stools... We're in the heedless hours, the stretching envelope time, warmly vanishing unseen, dark DJ time, shot time, folding in, in beneath gregarious ferns to conversational sip smiles, shared in teasing thefts, flitting in the folds of bars, and there's this inching, slow drawing together of feet, elbows, eyes an imperceptible fusion of arms the scarce heard word of smiles drift like shouts on bass beat whispers sparkling in transcendent shadows and as glasses disappear ears consume the breath of thoughts with the provocative squeeze of a hand abandoned in the dark lingering below belt loops and stepping in the shrinking duet bubble toe cap close nose close thought close a, a provocation of touches, cascade, ephemeral between verses, the echo of choruses, resonate through feet to invitations of touched lips. And the tight, delightful arse pull squeezed in this heedless corner in the dark, and then with the folding down of tunes, the final vodka sips, the seeping away, a drift of regrets on farewell lips, 
to wander with the dreams of ah and gone, leaving lips, touch, caress, linger, arse, eyes, and gone. Oh, provocation of touch. Oh. I don't I know, man. That was actually kind of a little saucy. dark flirt for a Saturday night, for a Friday night. <laughs> Friday night, Saturday morning. <laughs> Saturday morning, yes. Dear God, it's half past five. It is. It is. It is. Yes. It is. I need to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. Well, then I will. I will wrap up. <laughs> uh, Jim, this is. Uh, this has really been great. I've loved having you on tonight. Thank I, I, you. I thoroughly enjoyed being on. Would you be interested in contributing to the zine that I'm putting mm. together for this year? Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Anything you like? No, no, no particular themes or topics or forms necessary. Anything that you would just like to con- contribute to? Yep. I, I Wonderful. Throw, and throw, either, throw something either I've got or that I write and we'll do something yes fantastic and uh, would you be interested in coming back in roughly oh if I, if I if this project lasts over a year <laughs> um I've only planned a year so far but if it if it goes over a year would you be interested in coming back absolutely when, oh, when I wonderful when I will have a whole sport. whole load of um new poems on a on a, on a theme of um sensuality fantastic Oh, I look forward to it. Oh, Jam, thank you so much. Um, and hopefully, I won't won't have been shouted at by anybody, and I won't be writing any sort of ah poems by that point. But hey, we'll see. I hope that for all of us. <laughs> yes, yeah. it would be right, nice. Um, real quick again, where can everybody find you? Twitter and Instagram, the best places. Jamfell uh, poetry. Um, feel free to go and follow me on TikTok because I will one day do the things there as well um i'll find you yes but it's it's gemfell poetry all in one beautiful sort of compact thing with no punctuation fantastic i'll put everything in the notes so nobody has any uh any questions about anything um it'll be there (laughs) and if you and also being the um arch capitalist there (laughs) my booklet is available amazon barnes noble book depository and direct from me but that's possibly if you're in America going to be quite expensive on postage so you're probably best off going to Barnes and Noble or somewhere for that alright also in the notes <laughs> alright good night everybody Everyone. else uh, good morning good evening good afternoon whatever have a great day <laughs> Jim <laughs> thank you no problem enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the rest of your evening I shall